Welcome to City Hope London's Sermon Podcast. To find out more about us, visit www.cityhope.london. Hello everyone. We're doing all right? Good, good. Very good. Well, um, first of all, I just wanted to say um, we had a week of prayer uh, last, last week. And, and in my memory, in my personal opinion, that was the best week of prayer we've ever had. It was just a phenomenal time. It was every morning people were gathering. During the day, people were gathering. Um, on Friday evening, the youth band led us in a time of worship and did a, fa- yeah, come on, um, did a fantastic job. Um, we got to hear about all the different things going on right across the church, the, the things that are going on uh, almost centrally, but also the things that are just going on in people's lives, in all of our lives. And it was just a real pleasure to see all that was going on. So I wanted to say a big thank you. Uh, Pete King's not here today, but he worked very hard towards it, but also uh, Kwame and the youth team set, set up our prayer zone, and many people were involved in making it happen. So thank you very much for that. And we are planning to do uh, one, uh, we haven't got the date in the diary yet, but we are planning on doing one in the um, summer term at some point. We want to just keep that kind of going and and hopefully learn how to pray uh, together in increasing measure. So looking forward to that. Brilliant. Um, Last week, um, Rebecca kicked off our new series. We're looking at a letter written by uh, the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter, uh, and he was writing to a, a place which, uh, in modern terms, is Turkey. And I learned this week that you're supposed to now call Turkey, Turkey. Um, and someone said this to me, and they, they said it was because um, they didn't want to be mixed, with, mixed up with the bird, the turkey. Um, and then I was like, really, is that true? So I went and chatted to one of the dads who's Turkish at the school my kids work at. And he was like, yeah, uh, work at, go to school at. Um, and he was like, yeah, no, we don't want to be confused with the, tur- the turkeys. So um, you now call it Turkey. So there you go. We'll try, try and do that. Um, but we, we looked at last week, we, we had a strong start. It was an exciting start to this series. We saw that we have, as followers of Jesus, we have a living hope. You know, we all, everyone puts their trust in something. Everyone puts their hope in something. But we, put our, we place our hope in Lord Jesus Christ. And he is a risen Christ Jesus. He's, he, didn't, he, he, he lived, he died, but he rose again. And so because of the resurrection, we have a living hope. We learn that we have an eternal hope. It's not just a promise of a, a good life now. Um, it's actually sometimes it's a tough life now, but it's a promise of an eternal hope that will never, we, we have a, a, um, a, a promise that will never uh, like ruin or be taken away from us. And we have a sure and certain hope. It's safer than a Swiss bank account. Our hope is put in, in the one who holds everything together and so no one can take it away from us. It's kept in heaven for you. So that's what we looked at last week, a very exciting reminder of who we are as believers. Um, and this week, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, uh, verse 4 to, to 10, and we're going to read it in just a moment. I've got a very special reader going to come up for us, 
But before we did that, I wanted to uh, prepare us so that as we read, we're, we're ready to receive the word. Because it's actually quite a, a dense and complicated passage. Peter, as he writes, is playing with a number of different metaphors to illustrate the point that he's making. And he refers to a number of things from Israel's history. And so as we listen to it, we're going to have to listen very carefully so that we can uh, kind of track with these arguments. He's going to describe Jesus as the living stone and the precious stone and the cornerstone. He also describes Jesus as uh, the stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes people fall. And he describes God's people. He describes me and you as being like living stones who are being built together into a spiritual house or temple. He describes us as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession. So it's a dense and complicated uh, part of Scripture, and we're really only going to be able to scratch the surface of it today. But I want to encourage you to almost engage your brains as we go through this. Be thinking deeply as we go through it, because as we do that, it will result in, and this is a, a verse from, from this that we're going to read, it, the, uh, it's going to result in us declaring the praises of him who has called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. So we're going to see what Peter is saying about Jesus, and we're going to see what P Peter is saying about the church, about us. So with that, can I invite Alfredo to do our reading? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a microphone for him. Thank you very much. I have, we've got a microphone. <laughs> I thought you were going to do it off by heart, then. <laughs> oh, wow. This is impressive. So maybe next time. <laughs> so, <clears throat> 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, the living stone... Rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobeyed the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. 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 Thank you. Let me just pray. 
Lord, I want to thank you for this, um, this passage of Scripture. Lord, it is dense, but it is so powerful. There is so much glorious truth in it. And I pray now, Lord, as we, as we begin this, uh, this time together, you would speak powerfully to us. Lord, like Peter was, he was, he was a kind of f- uh, a very wafery man. He was going from flip, flipping and flopping and going everywhere and not knowing what he meant. And then you made him into a stone, a rock. And you called him Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And Lord, I pray for us, Lord, where maybe we feel a little bit... Uh, kind of on shaky ground often, Lord God. I pray this word today would put us back on solid ground and a firm foundation. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. I want you, uh, I want you to answer this question for me. If you had to go to Tesco's, you had to go to Tesco's, and it had to be a Tesco's extra. It couldn't be a little one. You wanted something from Tesco's, that you can only get from one of those bigger Tesco's, like uh, F&F boxer shorts, or uh, I don't know what else you'd get. Cre- cream of tartar. I don't know where you get. You can't get that from your normal Tesco's, okay? So, so you've got to make a decision, and you live here. Do you go, you've got two choices. Do you go uh, to the old Kent Road, or do you go to down the Keys, to Surrey Keys? Okay, right. Who's, wow, that... Who, who's Old Kent Road? Okay. And who's Surrey Keys? And which, wh- which one's better? Anyone going to argue different? Oh, no. I just, t- there's no reason for that question, other I wanted to make a fight, but Old Kent, <laughs> Old Kent Road aren't biting, so uh, sorry about that. I also wanted to ask another question, follow-on question. If you've been to Surrey Keys recently or Canada Water, have you noticed how much is going on in terms of the redevelopment? It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And you, you look, every time I go, it's like, oh, something new is built or the water's changed somehow. I don't know how they've done that. And it's absolutely incredible to see all that's going on. And one of the unique tro- uh, problems or the, the unique challenges with that particular uh, place is all of that land is essentially reclaimed, marshy, boggy uh, kind of land that got filled in, and, and, it, and it's really tough to build on. And so in order to build high and tall, you have to go down deep. I mean, like 50, 60, 70 meters down, you have to pile down. And over the last, um, it was only a couple of months ago, I, I kept on hearing this weird, whirling kind of sound right across Rubberhive as I walked through the park and stuff. And it was only recently I realized that that's the, the, the diggers going down into the ground, making the piles so that they can build strong uh, and, and secure buildings. Now, in ancient times, especially in hotter and drier climates or places where the ground was hard and firm and rocky, in places like the Middle East, you didn't actually need to go down that far in order to build a house or a structure. What you needed was a cornerstone. And a cornerstone uh, was the, the, most in, the first and the most important stone to be laid in a building, in its foundations. And it, it, was, it was so pivotal for the structure. All the other stones that were going to be built would be aligned to this 
stone, this cornerstone, and it secured it and gave it a structural stability. And without this cornerstone, your building would lose a sense of strength, a sense of shape and of stability. And one of the ideas running through this passage is that Christ Jesus is the cornerstone of a new living temple. The temple being the place where the people of God uh, came to worship God. Christ Jesus is the cornerstone or the foundation stone or the capstone of a new spiritual house that was under construction. And actually, that word, whether it's temple or house, people don't know. If you look in your Bible, it probably either says temple, and then in brackets or, or, or down below says could be spiritual house, or it says spiritual house, and then it, at the bottom of your uh, Bible, it will say could be temple, because the word is so close. Um, so the idea is that Jesus is this cor- the cornerstone of uh, a new building that is both a temple and a house. And you might remember at the end of King David's life, um, and we, we did a series called The Goodish King, Kings back in the summer. And at the start of that, we looked at King David's life. Um, and he uh, brought together all the materials needed to build two buildings. Can we remember what the two buildings were? Anyone? Tem- a temple and a palace. And the temple was the place where Israel would come and worship. And the house or the, the palace was where the king, uh, David's descendants, would, would, come, uh, would, would live. And, um, and that's exactly what happened. And Solomon built this house and then he built the temple. Uh, and we have the most, uh, almost like the climax of, of the story of Israel, the most exciting moment when the temple is finally built and uh, the, 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 the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant is brought into the temple and the power and the presence of God is manifest and all the people are worshipping and singing songs of, of glory to God. And it's like the high point of the history of Israel. And from that point, everything goes downhill because people stop worshipping God or they carry on wor- trying to worship God, but they're also worshipping the gods of other nations. And, and that happens, and then God sends uh, prophets to say, stop worshipping the gods of the other nations. Stop doing that. And they don't. And so eventually, God says, that's enough. And he moves the people of Israel into uh, Babylon, into exile. And that's where they stay for a, a very long time. And the temple and the house is, is destroy, destroyed and left in ruins. And then you skip forwards and we get to the, the life of Ezra and Nehemiah. And at that point, they go back to Jerusalem and start rebuilding the temple and the house and the walls. And they do that, but it's never as glorious as the first temple. It's never as beautiful. Something has lost. And even in the time of Jesus, as he walked around Jerusalem, he was able to go to that rebuilt place. And as this was being written, as Peter wrote this, that temple in Jerusalem was still there. It wasn't the same. It had lost its glory. It had lost something, but it was still standing. It would get destroyed uh, not long after that. And so what's happening in this story is Peter is saying something remarkable. He's saying not uh, a new building is being rebuilt, but he says a new building is under 
construction. A new temple is under construction. A new spiritual house is being constructed. And this temple, this house, is not a physical, dead, inanimate house made out of hard and cold stone, but it's a living, breathing temple. It's a spiritual house made out of living stones. And this new temple is still, it was under construction then, and it's still under construction today. Jesus said to to Peter, I will build my church. And he is still committed to that promise. And this building isn't built in one specific location like Jerusalem or Turkey. This building is being built right around the world. And it's been under construction for hundreds of years. And it's incorporated millions of people, each one serving as a living stone. And as we were as we were um, praying during the week of prayer, I saw this beautiful picture, and it was, it was almost like uh, this, these are all our kids. I think they're toddlers or minis or something like that, and they're, they're part of the wall that Christ is building. They're part of this, this, this temple that God is building, and it's an exciting thing to be part of. And here's the thing. At the bottom of this glorious structure this living temple, this spiritual house, he's talking about the church, is not some shifting, swampy, reclaimed marshland, but it's a living temple, a spiritual house that's being built on none other than Christ Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the one we align to who gives us the strength and the integrity to stand and endure. Do you know what? Often people, when we talk about the worldwide church, so City Hope is a church, we're, we're a community, we're a church, but we're also part of something bigger, which is why when we meet with St. Anne's and St. Mary's and St. James's and lots of other churches, it's because we're part of something bigger. It's not just us. We're not the church. We're, we're not the be-all and end-all. There's, there's far more going on. And when people talk about the church around the world, we often think about unity. What we would love to see is more unity in the church. And there's brilliant reasons for that. One of, when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he's praying, uh, one of the last things he prays about in John 17 verse 20, he, he's just prayed for his disciples and then he says, and I don't just pray for them alone, I also pray for those that will believe me, in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. So unity was important to the heart of Jesus, and it should be important to us. But do you know what? There's something that underpins that unity. There's something more significant and more important than unity. And there's something that the unity has to build from. The unity is important, but if we don't have the deeper thing then it's building on uh, shaky ground. We must make sure this unity is found in the right foundations. You see, all churches are built on some kind of foundation, but we've got to make sure the foundation we build on is Christ alone. See, if we build our churches on the foundations of our culture, our building is going to be built on marshland. 
because our culture is shifting and changing all the time. What is seen as right and fair and good today, in 10 years' time, is going to be seen as bad and, or ev- even evil. And what is wrong and not good today, in 10 years' t- time, is going to sound, or people are going to think, that's really good and we should be doing that. The culture is constantly changing, and so we can't build the church on our culture. We could try and build our culture on the foundation of our own feelings or personal preferences, but that's shifty culture because our personal preferences are changing all the time. And if we want to be a unified church and you've got a care and you've got a care and they, they clash, then actually what's going to happen is things are just going to go uh, pear-shaped pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So we can't build a church on personal preference. This is the kind of music I like. These are the kind of people we like. These are the things we like to do. They're not good reasons or good things to build our church on. It says in 1 Corinthians, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul had a problem because there was lots of factions throughout the church. Some people were following one person and some other people were following another person. And he comes in and he says, this is not what Christ is calling us to build. This does not bring him glory and it's not stable foundations. Our foundations have got to be built on Christ alone. We must make sure we're building our lives, our church, on the foundations of Jesus Christ. And when we seek to build our church and our lives on his teaching and his way, we can be sure that it's a firm foundation. Now, that doesn't mean we always get everything right. Sometimes we, 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 we're building a certain way, and it's like we've built quite far here, and then suddenly we realize, actually, we're kind of off-center. We're not building according to what Christ is calling. And so that wall's got to come down, and we've got to rebuild. I'm not saying it's always perfect, but we've got to aim to build on the things of Christ. So in summary, in this passage at times, Peter's describing us as being part of these, this spiritual house. We're living bricks and stones that are being built into a temple or a spiritual house. And at other points, we're not so much the stones and the bricks and the mortar, but we become occupants or inhabitants of this temple or house. He describes us as a royal priesthood. That's an in, in, interesting phrase if you think about it, a royal priesthood. What does that mean? Think back to the house and the temple that David uh, pr- uh, prepared and saw Solomon built. Think about that. Who lives in a royal household? It's royalty, isn't it? In that context, it was the descendants of David. It's not, a, it's not common riffraff like you or me. <laughs> I loved it when uh, this, this morning... <laughs> This morning when Paul, um, Paul Ferguson opens the door on a Sunday morning and he came up to me this morning and he said, shall I open the doors and let the riffraff in? <laughs> I was like, okay, Paul. Um, there you go. But, um, but, but in a royal household, the common riffraff don't get loud in. It's, it's royalty that comes. If you want to be part of the royal family, you have to be in the family. It has to be running through your blood. 
who got to minister in a temple? It was the priests. And, and you couldn't just choose, oh, I'm going to be a priest. You had, to, you had to be a certain man from a cer- certain tribe called Levite. And, and, and you couldn't just choose, oh, actually, I fancy being a priest. You, you had to be part of a, a, a priestly bloodline. It had to be in your bloods. But Peter's saying here, in this new temple, in this spiritual house, there is a new royal family. And how do you become part of it? Not through your bloodline, but through the blood that ran for you. There is a, a new house. You, you come in not through the blood of David or Solomon, but through the blood of Christ. It's amazing to think that because of Christ, and Peter says this, you can see this throughout the book, we can be adopted into God's family. He says in chapter 1, verse 1, he says, we're elected into God's family. In 1.17, he says, we get to call God our Father, that we've been born again. We become heirs. We have an inheritance stored up for us that will never spoil or fade. We're described as God's holy, chosen people, his special possession. You can hear that we are being pulled into his family. If you've been adopted in, into a real-life family, this is a remarkable thing to, to think. I, I know I used this um, analogy a little while ago, but my brother um, ha- adopted a little baby, uh, a, a, a little boy. He's about two years old. And um, one of the things I love about that is it was, it was so much harder for them to adopt him into the family than it was for us, in that sense, to build our family. Because he had to work, they had to work so hard. They had to go through so many obstacles in order to get to the adoption process. They had to have so many tests and ask and answer so many questions in order to adopt him. But the remarkable thing is now, as this little boy grows up, the, do you know what they can say? We chose you. We called you. We fought for you. We gave everything for you. You're our chosen and special possession. That's an amazing thing that they can speak over their child. And there's something glorious about the fact that we've been adopted into the family of God. Despite your mess, your history, your failures, your continued failures, He still loves you. He still describes you as His special possession. He's still committed to you. He still calls you my son and my daughter. That is an amazing thing for us to be able to take on. And I, I want us to live in the good of that every day. That as we, as we go through our weeks, we remind ourselves we are part of the royal family of God. Isn't it an incredible thing? We've been adopted into the royal household of God and we're members of his priesthood. What did priests do? They were the ones that were allowed to come near to God. Hardly anyone was allowed to come right into the Holy of Holies in the middle of the temple. Hardly anyone 
One person once a year could go into the Holy of Holies to, to minister in there. And they had to have this rope tied around them in case they died because of the presence of God so that someone could pull them out without, uh, without them dying themselves. It was like such a privilege to come into the Holy of Holies. But where the royal priesthood, we now, because of Jesus, we can, we can have the Spirit of God living in us as a church and in us as individuals. What an incredible thing. We can offer spiritual sacrifices. In the Old Testament, the sacrifices were physical. They were blood and goats and all of that kind of thing. Now, we can offer spiritual sacrifices. It reminds me of what Paul talks about. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. When David talked about the finances... And uh, David, thank you. you you're so, I, I'm so glad we've got someone like you. You just fill me with faith when you speak about finances. But it, do, you know, do you know what? I know there's so much sacrifice in those numbers. There's so much. I'm giving up certain things in order to give to this in those numbers. And that's an that's a act of sacrificial love to Jesus. And I want to say thank you to, the, to you for that. Those of you that are putting time and energy, our youth leaders, you know, giving up Friday nights where they could be doing this or that. But do you know what? There's something in them that is feeling called to serve our young people. And so they're there on Friday nights. I'm so thankful to that. It's an act of uh, spiritual sacrifice. Um, I was chatting to someone on, on Friday night who was like, I, you know, I used to go out everywhere and, and do all sorts of stuff. But since I've, I've known Jesus, I know that's not helpful for me. But I, I'm so glad I can be here tonight. And I'm like, that's so beautiful because it's like there's certain things she's given up, certain sacrifices she's made to follow Christ. And here she is bringing glory and honor to Jesus. It's such a wonderful thing. And uh, I wanna, we're going to finish in just a moment. We're a, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We're part of the family of God. Could I ask the band to come up? Is that right? And we're going to respond in, in some worship in just a moment, some sung worship. But um, I just, I just want to thank God for that. I just want us to spend some time just being amazed again and to be thankful again at all he's done. And, you know, as I was preparing, I felt, you know, uh, I was talking about sometimes we, we build the church on culture and we've got to be careful about that and, or we can build it on personal preferences. There are some people that would love to, <laughs> in one sense, love to be able to build their life on things like that. But actually, more they just feel like life is like a quagmire. It's, it's like sinking sand. And rather than being able to build anything, it's like you're just sitting on a raft, with you and your family just trying to stay on. And I felt God wants to minister to you um, in particular. And I was reminded of these verses that Paul loves from Psalm 40. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. And, and if that's you, perhaps you've, 
you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never built your life on Him, but you know what you have built your life on is failing you drastically, and you feel like, I need to do something about this. For you, I just say, put your hope in Him. Allow Him to scoop you out of that mess and that mire and fix you firmly on the rock of Christ Jesus. Should we stand together? Father, as we come to worship, we just want to thank you, honor you for all that you've done. You are building us into a spiritual temple. I thank you. We get to be part of the big thing that you're doing right around the world. That you're not dead, you're alive. That the church isn't dead, it's alive. And it's living in you. Help us build this thing on you. Not on, not on me. Not in our idealistic ideas. Not on particular preferences. But on Christ alone. Lord, and for those that don't know that the love of the Father, may they be adopted into your family today. For those of, of us here that pray, perhaps are just feeling like I'm just in, in the mud and the mire, I have no sure and certain footing. Lord, pick them up today. Set them on the rock today. Let's just, let's respond. We'll sing a song.